So today we're going to continue the stories that shape us. Um, last week we looked at a parable of the rich fool. And, and the story last week was about a guy who was already rich, and then he had an abundant crop come in, and he got even richer. And, and the story was about how that man lived completely for himself. Those riches became where he found um, his hope, where he, where he found his life, and he missed out on the fact that we are to live and find life in Christ. And so the idea that we left last week with was that, that we are all rich, and, and we talked last week about the fact that we are rich, even if you think about financially, by the fact that you are here in this room, you live in this country, in this area, you are one of the richest people in the world. And last week, we talked about the challenge of being rich towards God. And so today, today's parable is... Uh, it, it's a good follow-up on that. This kind of looks at it. Once again, we're going to see the story of a rich man, but, but this one, I don't think we even need to worry as much about the money as we need to understand the riches we have in Christ and ask the question, how can we be rich toward God? The story today is really about a man who failed to be rich toward God, and there's a specific way. So we're going to look at it. It's in chapter 16 of Luke. It's called The Rich Man and Lazarus. Before we get there, I want to set the stage. In, in chapter 16, at the beginning, it says that Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's teaching his disciples. But about um, a little bit later, it says that the Pharisees, who loved money, started to sneer at Jesus. So they're hearing Jesus teaching. And they're hearing what he's saying to his disciples, and they start kind of pushing back or, you know, they're not a fan of what Jesus is saying. And so that's the context into which Jesus speaks this parable, the rich man and Lazarus. We're going to start in verse 19. It says, Jesus says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And then we see kind of a jump here. It says, in Hades, where he was in torment, the rich man was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And so he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water to cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and, and you is a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers, let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. 
He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. So this is the parable, the rich man and Lazarus. Once again, we see a rich man in the story. And so I want us to talk about the two characters, and then I want us to see what Jesus really wants us to see in this parable. So we've got two characters. We've got a rich man who is living it up. He's, he's, he's wealthy, he's dressed in fine linens, and he is enjoying all that life has to offer for him as a rich man. That's our first person. The second person we have is Lazarus, this poor beggar that's just outside the gate of, Abra- of the rich man's home, and he's begging. It says he's just, all he wants is just some scraps from the table of the rich man. And it even goes into more detail to the point that it says that he has sores all over him and even the wild dogs are coming to lick his sores. So, so we see two pictures. We see a guy who is, thri- sorry, sorry to use this, thriving by earthly terms. And we see a guy who is struggling to the utmost. I mean, he is hurting. Now, in some of the parables that we read that Jesus tells, we are supposed to take the two people and we're supposed to compare and contrast their behavior to emulate one and not the other. That's not what's happening here, okay? Lazarus is in this story, but the focal point of this story is the rich man. This story is not telling us that we should be like Lazarus and we should be a poor beggar. That's not what this is saying. Really what Jesus wants the hearers to hear is that this rich man was living it up. He was was wealthy. He had everything he needed and he was living in the shelter of his wealth while there was another man that was struggling outside the gates. The comparison is really for the hearers of the story to to find themselves in it. And so we have these Pharisees, it says, who, who loved money, and they're kind of scoffing at Jesus, and he tells them the story of these two guys, and the Pharisees would immediately identify themselves with this rich man. He's got it all. He's taken care of. In fact, they would have seen this rich man and they would have said he clearly is getting it right because God is blessing him with riches. And that day they thought if you were rich, that was because God was blessing you. You you can find this theology all over our world today. There are a lot of people that believe that if you are wealthy, that's because God is smiling down on you and your wealth is an indication of how much God loves you. There's the prosperity gospel. And so these Pharisees are hearing this story and at at this point, they're thinking, all right, we got a good guy here. We've got a rich guy. God loves this guy. God is taking care of this guy. And they see this other guy in the story and it's, it's kind of problematic to them. And I, like, as readers of the story, maybe we can just look past this, but I'm going to be honest with you and tell you that if, if there was a poor man begging that's described like this, I probably would feel a little bit uncomfortable. I, I think we all would. This says that that Lazarus is begging outside the gates of his home. That's 
That's problematic. And not only is he begging, but he's covered in sores and there are wild dogs licking his sores. This seems like a guy who's got it made and a guy that most of us would probably want to avoid. And that's how the Pharisees are thinking. So, so there are these memes out there. They're called um, How It Started and How It's Going. How many of you have seen those before? How It Started, How It's Going. Okay, a couple teens over here. Way to go. Rick, I knew you'd be with it. You're, you're with it, man. Um, how It Started, How It's Going. And so let me explain to you these memes. What they do is they show the intended place and then how it ended up. So a good example of that would be our NCAA brackets. How many of you fill out NCAA tournament brackets? How did it start for you? Man, do, do, do you guys do anything? <laughs> how did it start for you? Jay, how'd your bracket start? Other than Ohio State. Other than Ohio State, good. And, and so there's this how it started versus how... Every year, we fill out our brackets and we think that we know what's going to happen in this tournament. And we think like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call this upset, but I know this team is going to win and get here. And every year we have the how it started and how it is going, and this year is no different. And in fact, um, one of our staff members was making fun of another one of our staff members, a couple of our staff members, for forgetting to fill out their bracket online. And so they were saying, you know what, you guys don't have a chance to win. And so how it started was kind of confident and then about 10 minutes later, a team lost that Jay just mentioned, Ohio State. And all of a sudden, that person's bracket wasn't looking so good. And so it started great, but then that's how the story is for these Pharisees. See, it starts great. They see this guy, he's wealthy, he's blessed by God, and they're thinking, all right, we got a hero. And all of a sudden, it turns. And we see in verse 22, the time came when the beggar died. And the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where the rich man was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water to cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime how it started, you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted, and you, how it's going, are in agony. Besides all this, there's a great chasm between us, and we can't cross it. And so these Pharisees at this point, they've, they've seen a rich man that they would look up to, that they would identify themselves. They see a poor man that would make them uncomfortable. And Jesus flips the parable around and says that the poor man, Lazarus, ends up with Abraham in heaven. And the rich man, the guy that they thought was pretty good, is in torment in Hades. Now listen, the church doesn't talk a whole lot these days about hell. But we can't look at this parable, we can't study what Jesus is telling us here without understanding that he is talking about hell. And so I want us to just hear God's word today 
There's a lot of people that, that say we should just, we should listen to Jesus first. You cannot listen to Jesus and think that heaven and hell do not exist and think that there won't be consequences and there won't be judgment. Jesus is clear and he's clearly warning us right here that hell is real. Not only is he saying that hell is real, he is telling the people that are hearing this parable that what they think is reality, what they think will get them to heaven and keep them from hell is not reality. And so he flips this parable, and remember, he's talking to these Pharisees, and he paints them this picture of Hades, of hell, and it's bad. It says that the rich man looks up and says, Father Abraham, think about how tormented he is. Think about how bad this is that he says, just send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water just to cool my tongue. It's so bad that just a drop of water is what he's asking for. Jesus is clearly warning us here. We cannot discount this. Not only is hell real, but sometimes the people that think they get it are missing it. And, and this is telling us that some of the people that think they're on the inside, that think they're living the right way, will end up in torment in Hades. Listen, I, I don't like talking about this, but Jesus is warning us today, and we have to hear this. Our choices, our lifestyle matters for eternity. And if we choose to live a selfish life, if we choose to live a, let me add another word in there, if we choose to live a selfish faith, Jesus is saying, it's not gonna end well for us. And so he paints this picture. And the Pharisees had to be shocked at this point. Like I said, when they heard this story, they would have totally identified themselves with this rich man. I mean, they had wealth. They loved their money, it says in verse 16. They were religious. They thought they were in the in crowd. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, that's not it. There's two things that they would have seen from this rich guy. First off, we talked about the favor of God and the, the wealth. They would think that he was God's person because he was wealthy and God gave it to him. But the second thing we see is that he, what does he cry out when he is in torment? He cries out to who? Father Abraham. Not only is this rich man wealthy, not only does he have the blessings that we think of, but he's a Jewish man. He's a religious man. He cries out to Father Abraham. And so these Pharisees are shocked because they're thinking, there's no way this guy should end up in Hades. And he cries out to Father Abraham for help. I want you to hear what John the Baptist says in Luke chapter 3, verse 7. It says, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children of Ab for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down 
and thrown into the fire. The people ask him, what should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share them with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Did you hear what John the Baptist said there? He says, don't cry out to Father. Don't think that your salvation is wrapped up in the fact that you can say Father Abraham. It's not about your standing. It's not about your wealth. It's not about your standing. It's about the fruit that you produce. And so the Pharisees are shocked by this parable, and they're thinking, how could this guy end up in Hades? And the truth is, it's because it's not about appearance. It's not about wealth. It's not about our affiliation. It's about the fruit that comes from repentance and what it does in our life that we share with those in need. Listen, there are a lot of people who would call themselves Christians in today's world who are living like the rich man. They're inside the gates. They've got everything they need. They're rich, not just financially, but they're rich with God's grace and love, and they are sheltered into the gates of God's kingdom. But they're not truly repenting. See, repentance leads to transformation, and that transformation leads to us loving and having compassion for others. The word repentance, that doesn't just mean that we say we're sorry for something. Repentance means turning. When we truly repent, we turn away from our selfishness. We turn away from the stuff and our arrogance and our pride, and we repent and we turn to God and we fully surrender. And when we do that, God begins to transform us. And as God transform us, transforms us, we become about to be about what God is about, which is loving and serving others. See the The reason the rich man was in torment was because he hadn't really repented. He hadn't turned to God. He was enjoying his status. He wanted to be loved and blessed and graced and all those things, but he hadn't repented of his own sin and his own selfishness, and he was living a life all to himself. And we see it because... He had no love and he had no compassion on Lazarus who was sitting outside his gates hurting in torment right here on earth. Have you ever driven down the road and there's been a person on the side of the road and, and you kind of claim to ignorance like maybe you're driving and you stop at a light and there's someone standing there begging and you, you kind of see him out of the corner of your eye but you don't want to look at them because then you'll feel bad, so you look the other way. Any of you done that? Am I the only one? All right, you guys always make me feel so good about myself. The rich man couldn't pretend that he didn't know Lazarus. He couldn't look the other way. There was no excuse because we, we know this because he cries out and he says, send Lazarus. He knows the guy's name. He knows that he was outside his gate every day. He saw him, he knew him, and he still chose not to help him. Why? Because he was living a selfish, self-consumed 
life or faith, if you want to call it that. And so he was too consumed with himself and his comfort, and he wasn't repentant. He wasn't transformed. He wasn't compassionate for those around him. So I want us to take a second, and I want us to find ourselves in this story. Now, this is one that I want to tell you that, that you would be in both spots in this story if you have accepted Christ as your Savior. Because the, the reality is, we were all once Lazarus, the beggar outside the gates, totally helpless, totally without life. We were all once there. Listen, I told you I don't like talking about hell, but I want to tell you about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We were all that beggar. We were all lost and hurting. And Jesus, who had everything, he had all the riches, he left it all so that we could be invited in. We were all the beggar. There may be some of you today that would still feel like you are the beggar in this story. I want to tell you the good news. That Jesus loves you so much that he gave his life so that you could have life. We were all the beggar. Listen to what 1 John chapter 3 says. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. But we were all the beggar, but once we accept Christ, we become the rich man. And it says after that, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us, love, um, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. See, the rich man claimed to love God. He claimed to love, but in action and truth, every day, he walked by this beggar who he knew his name, and he chose not to help him because his faith was selfish and was about his way, and he ended up in torment. We were once the beggar. Jesus laid down his life so that we could come in. But if we don't follow Jesus, we can't claim to have the love of God in us. We can't walk by the beggar every day. We can't walk by people who are outside the gate and not see them and not take compassion. If we've truly repented of our sin and our selfishness, we will be transformed to be people that see others and go after others. There's no way around it. I told you last week, we are all rich. We're not just rich financially. We are rich with the love and the grace of God. But if we hold that to ourselves and if we become a church of insiders and we ignore the world around us, Jesus has a clear warning for us. It's not going to end well. 
See, being a follower of Christ is not just about saying a prayer. It's not just about thinking the right things. Being a follower of Christ means we follow Christ. We follow with our actions and we follow in love. So if Jesus came out of the gate to bring us in, how do we follow Christ? We go out of the gate to bring others in. You cannot repent and live a selfish faith. That leads to torment. We truly repent and we turn to God and we're transformed. And then we start to have compassion and we start to love others. What's at stake here is huge. It's huge. One of the, one of the things I studied said that, that for those that are living for themselves, that are living selfishly now, the extent of their heaven is earth, and the extent of their hell is eternity. But for those that love Christ, the extent of their heaven is eternity. We have a choice to make. And I know I'm talking to a bunch of people in a church, but Jesus was talking to a bunch of religious people. And the rich man just, he didn't get it. He was living selfish. He was living for himself and he was totally ignoring true repentance and transformation in the world around him. And he didn't care one bit about the people outside the gate. And sometimes I think we as a church, we as Christians, make light of evangelism, of sharing our faith, of loving and sharing hope with others. What we see in this story is the rich man becomes really evangelistic really quickly when he experiences torment. I want to finish this parable up and and then we're going to respond. He says, listen, can you just... Send Lazarus to my brothers. If he can't come give me a little bit of relief, can you at least send him to my brothers? Because I've got brothers and I don't want them to experience it. He's realized that the good things he had on earth were not worth the torment that he was experiencing. And he realizes that there needs to be repentance. And he says, just send Lazarus to my brothers, please. And Abraham says, listen, they've got everything they need. They've got the law. They've got the prophets. And if they're not listening to that, they won't listen to Lazarus, even if he's raised from the dead. And he says, no, we just need someone to be raised from the dead to come tell him, and then they'll believe. And and Abraham says, no, that's not how it works. And later on in the story, we know that Jesus, the one telling the parable, would die on a cross would be raised from the dead and these Pharisees still wouldn't get it. Listen, this parable, this is big today. We need to hear this. I know that I'm talking to a bunch of church people, but that doesn't mean that we are where we need to be. Jesus says in this parable, it's about true repentance that leads to true transformation, which leads to us loving and serving the world around us, and anything less will end in eternal torment and hell. 
I wanna make this really personal for you today because I can't preach on hell and not give you the opportunity to know that God loves you and God has better for you. Now there are several different people in the room. The worship team's gonna come up and we're gonna sing a song. There are several different people in this room. Maybe some of you would say, I'm in the place of the beggar and I wanna tell you the good news today that Jesus loves you and has offered entrance into the kingdom. If that's you, listen, today don't make the mistake of walking out of here without repenting, turning from your selfishness, surrendering your all to Jesus. As we sing this last song, I want you to pray with me. And, and I know there's a lot of you in here who you've already taken that step and you're on the inside of the gate, but I'm just gonna guess that there's some of us who have started to live a life of selfish faith. We've stopped noticing the people around us in need. We've started to make it about us. And Jesus says, doesn't matter where you're affiliated, doesn't matter how rich you are, if you don't truly turn from your selfish ways and be transformed by the grace of God and love the people around you, you're going to miss it. I want to ask each and every one of you to examine your heart today. And I want to ask you that if there is anything, any piece of your heart that's not fully surrendered to God today, don't miss what Jesus is telling us. This earth Riches, wealth is not worth eternal torment. And God doesn't want that for you, so he sent his son to die. So as we sing this last song, we have altars up here. You have a seat that you're sitting in. I want to invite you to respond. Not to miss this opportunity, to make sure that you are completely and wholly surrendered to God. As we sing, I want you to pray. I want you to examine your heart. And at the end of the song, we're gonna pray together. If you wanna come and pray at an altar during the song, if you wanna kneel where you are, if you wanna stand, whatever, but don't miss the opportunity to make sure that you're fully surrendered.